All right. Welcome, everybody. This is the Reality Czars podcast slash maybe we're doing a swap cast. I don't know with Andy from the Deep Share. Hell yeah. <laughs> we got uh, Nate, Thomas and Andy. What's up, Come Thomas? On. What up? Yeah, that's me, the Paranoid American, as always. Um, Man, it's been a minute since we talked. It's uh, yeah, man. It's good to talk to you. Um, what's new? You want to throw some plugs our way to our audience as well? Absolutely, yeah. And thank you guys for for you know making this happen. This is really great. I'm I'm glad we figured out our technical issues. That was that was weird, but um, kind of two yeah. out of three ain't bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not exactly. too bad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, find me over at the Deep Share on social media. I'm on the, all the podcast apps and. Uh, youtube odyssey rockfin at the deep share podcast so yeah but uh welcome for you guys uh listening on my end please you guys like shout out where we can find you in case anyone doesn't know already you go, Tom, you go first you go? Okay. Oh, sure i'll go <laughs> no you go nate you go, you go. this is so uh, you can find <laughs> you can find all of our uh audio and video over at rockfin um we do put it out on spotify but fuck spotify fuck youtube but we got a couple videos there too uh you should check out our new project that we're doing right now it's anomaly hunters on youtube uh we just put out i think monday a uh a paranormal investigatory documentary uh where we went and looked for some ghosts and we actually dude it was kind of fucking scary actually like uh i i came in full skeptic and now I'm questioning shit. It's it's fucking interesting. And we're going tomorrow night, actually. We're going to this, like, abandoned old, like, they call it a witch's mansion. And supposedly, like, a serial killer, like, raped some prostitutes out there and dismembered them. So uh, we're going to go out there with a spirit box and see if we can communicate with some dead hookers or the murderer. I don't know. <laughs> and the last place you went was uh, Old Masonic Temple, too, right? Don't bury yeah. the lead there. Yeah, it was so yeah, it was a pretty interesting spot. So it's like an old grand Masonic lodge that turned into an orphanage home or to an orphanage and then it turned into an old folks Masonic lodge. And so there's definitely been a lot of bodies there, uh, a lot of dead old folks and uh, a lot of sightings, man. It was really fucking interesting. There's like a book that's like five inches thick of just like uh, because it's they turned it into a hotel now. So it's like a hotel that you can go and visit. It's bought by McMinimans, who like turns old historic buildings into like bars. So it's a lot of fun, dude. It's like it's like an adult playground. You just go and get hammered. They have like a like in the old gymnasium, they turned it into like a, a movie theater where you can go just like eat pizza and beer and hang out and stuff. It's it's a lot of fun, dude. But there's awesome. like a book four inches thick with just sightings from guests uh, like for like over a couple decades and they're seeing a lot of this little girl and a lot of this old lady. And there's a lot of poltergeist activity. It's fucking fascinating, man. We actually got a lot of people reaching out to us, like old employees there that are telling yeah. us even more stories. So look forward to those. They're a lot of fun. And I hope you check those out. All right, Tom, let's go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sequel, sequels already in the works from all the extra content they're getting. And uh, yeah, in awesome. addition to, to working with Reality Czars and co-hosting with Nate here, uh, you might know me as the Paranoid American. And I... uh I've got it at paranoidamerican.com. I've got all kinds of crazy artwork and comic books. Uh, I've got just over 50 titles now, believe it or not. They're not all released, but I've got 50 titles complete. And this one I'm holding up here Woo! is the Paranoid Pamphlet MK Ultra, which you can get at mkultracomic.com. And you can also get at nasacomic.com. I can't believe I, got, I actually got that domain name. That's but amazing. NASA Comic, 
um, it'll redirect you to a sign up for Never a Stray Answer, which is my comic about Stanley Kubrick directing the moon landings for the CIA. Full color. It's uh, over 40 pages long. And I'm going to be launching a Kickstarter for it. So if you want to get early access and like custom cover and just support a cool company doing cool things that no one else is doing, nasacomic.com. And uh, yeah, so that's me, Paranoid American. Yeah. And if you check Paranoid American's Instagram, you'll notice that like uh, the powers that be, or should I say the powers that shouldn't be, are absolutely on to you. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you should be in hiding. There's many of them uh, calling for your head on a spike, basically. Yep. So it's it's pretty uh, scary times for you, Thomas. If you can't, if you uh, try to just type out paranoid Americ, it still won't come up. You got to spell Dude, the no. entire name out and then <laughs> my name will come up. So I'm, I'm hidden, so many bro. people claim that that is the case with their like, if you you got to type my whole name out. I'm like, no, I don't. So, so all right, clout, whatever. But like you. I cannot get to your page without typing it all out. And I'm going to your Instagram often because I'm screenshotting a lot of your amazing comic strips because sometimes they're the best example of a situation that's like really complicated to explain to someone about the conspiracy world. Like, I'll have to start I, posting some more, man. Cause I've, I, I feel like I've got just like endless content that a lot of people haven't seen. Cause if, if you start following me even last year, you haven't seen, you know, the hundreds and and maybe thousands of posts that I've posted already. So oh, I need yeah, to start you recycling some back. of those. So many. I've recently I grabbed um the one where they were like training dudes to be superheroes behind closed doors or whatever. Yeah, time like samplers three on Dignity Colony. Yeah, dude. I love that image because it really shows the reality of like what could be considered kind of like shaping operations within the conspiracy community itself you know what i mean and uh, honestly that particular facet we're talking like basically project monarch programming rumored monarch programming mm -hmm. uh, which there's not exactly government documentation based on it but there's so many research studies that are adjacent that talk about the exact things if you just imagine if someone put those very real research projects together into one thing that's kind of what monarch is and we're talking about that in issue three of uh, Time Samplers, there's this underground base in Dignity Colony where apparently Project Monarch has rumored to be the the modern day extension of MK Ultra, And they're training these children to become any type, you know, assassins or sex kittens or whatever the hell they're training <laughs> them to be. Right. And there's one fighting a dragon and there's one acting like they're Superman. And this is for a lot of different reasons. One of it is you're creating these altars. So you're instilling that. Hey, when we ask you to do something in the future, you're fighting a dragon for, you know, chivalry and, and for honor, or you're saving people because you're Superman. So that programming goes into that altar that they're shaping. But then it also makes it so that if you try to tell someone, yeah, I was fighting dragons and, you know, like I was Superman and I was flying through the sky. If you actually recreated some of that, you know, or, you know, like my favorite mascots were in the room with me. There was an astronaut and there was, you know, like Barney the dinosaur. <laughs> it sounds insane and no one would ever believe you, but that might've been part of your very real training intentionally to make it sound insane if you try to explain it to someone else. And it creates these like alters in you. I don't know. I I'm going to rant too much. I just, it's such a fascinating subject no, to me, man. I love it. And with all the topics that you, me and Nate were kind of talking about getting into like the alien idea, it's like, 
I heard a lot of this from Ryder Lee from Raised by Giants on Tinfoil Hat recently, where he was talking about how a lot of MK Ultra programs were like this and involved with like kind of convincing people of the, you know, the secret space program operations yeah, and becoming space, you know, starship troopers, basically. Well, blue oh, beam, yeah, in, in my opinion, you can draw a very straight line between blue beam and some of the uh, programs that we were trying to get Castro out of power. And one of those was to stage the second coming of Christ. And the idea was that it would, you know, Oh, you know, basically flip over this communist nation because they mm. proved that there really was a Jesus and then therefore throw out their communist leader because he no longer held the power, this new and the technology was not even close to being there. I think they tried to do some examples and the best they had was they were going to light off a bunch of fireworks and then just try to tell people, oh, those fireworks are Jesus. You know, it was <laughs> it was very loose. But if you, you get add, some, you get a few. Well, if, if you add 60 or 70 years of technology on top of that, and now you've got, you know, holograms and projections. Now we're talking, now we're talking blue beam, but blue beam started as like, I forgot the exact name, um, but it was going to just be like fireworks in the sky, essentially. So you can see the progression, but the idea doesn't change because these people are not creative, right? They get yeah. one idea from a movie or a book or someone that planned it in the thirties and they just keep hashing it out over and over again, like a, like a horrible franchise remake. Oh, yeah. And speaking of the 30s, I actually heard rumors that this idea was hatched before World War One to like and actually it was they were planning on like uh, showing that to like uh, Islamists and stuff like that, like showing Jesus or or Muhammad, the image of Muhammad in the sky. That was back before World War One. So to the idea that they've been thinking about this for the whole time is pretty evident and someone's going to do it. Like, like so many people have been trying to do it for so long that it's just at this point, it's just, who's got the technology and the money to do it. (laughs) Elon Musk. (laughs) Exactly. It's fascinating, man. Cause do you think that they've already kind of passed their window of like, cause if they would have done this five years ago, people would have freaked the fuck out. But now (laughs) people are like knowing so much about like deep fakes, like this shit is being talked about. I don't think they do though, like, man. I don't think they know. I mean, no, I, don't know, dude. I post I some memes sometimes that, that seems so <laughs> obvious. And then people are hitting me up like, you know, where can I find that? It's like, it's fake, dude. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. The AI art. Oh my God. The ancient explorers of the Amazon or if those are good see, ones, man. They're very you good. See I the actually... ones that Thomas sends me. Like, yeah, the <laughs> no. nominees you're, like, you're gonna get us all reported, man. <laughs> sweet, sweet camel toe this morning was just amazing. That was <laughs> yeah, the, there was up. an April O'Neil with uh, <laughs> like if, if they were to direct the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie today, but April O'Neil as a bunch of different politicians. Oh, Jesus, male and female, by the way, <laughs> it's fantastic. But, yeah, but on dude, it. this AIR in particular, people are worried about how it's going to affect, you know, politicians or celebrities that are being defamed. But it's going to be wild for this like alternate media crowd because it would be so easy to make just an AI generated ghost photos or AI generated Tartarian, you know, like um, ancient recovery sites that they're exactly. digging up that are fake. And people are just going to be eating it left and right and having to admit that they got swindled into some stupid thing because so much of what conspiracies rely on today which i don't like is all visual it's like this thing looked like this thing and therefore you know proof and i think we're going to get into an area hopefully where you don't believe your own eyes and i think that might be a good thing it's going to be a pain uh but it's going to require work but i think ultimately it's a good thing 
Yeah, I think it's going to be painful, but change is painful, you know, and it's, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like be we've been, we've, we should have been doing this all along, but now it's like, you're really not going to be able to tr trust anything that you see or read. You're really going to have, how many normal people are actually going to be able to like do the homework or even care enough to, they're just going to shut down. And maybe that's what like, maybe that's what the elites want. Just like, you can't trust anything. So you're just like a fucking cowering, like. You'll just believe whatever the mainstream, like you're going to need like that. Uh, you're going to need that claim of authority. And then people are just going to just believe it. I don't know. I, I worry about us too, not us in particular, but like just the alternative quote unquote truth community, like in general, like I have a lot of faith, but a lot of worry at the same time that, that w this community also is victim to, you know, mm -hmm. or guilty of, being like clickbait or soundbite hounds where like we're going after two minute things or you know no not a lot of people are digging in and really reading the full article a lot of people do post a lot of bullshit without yeah. really looking into it because they've already planted their flag in the position of the video and they already yeah they have a narrative and this meets <laughs> it and so they yeah dude the amount of fucking people that i heard that call themselves truthers that were all about <laughs> andrew tate Right, dude. It <laughs> loved Andrew or Day. Trump or politicians or Trump, at all or, or Elon Musk. Yeah. It, honestly, it, it reminds me too of like early, like um, what they used to call, you know, the golden age of Hollywood. But in that era, they would they would actually write the title of the movie and just the synopsis, and they would right. get that sold. So these movies would be floating around, and, and they'd have actors sign on, they have studios sign on, and all they got is a poster and the name of it, and like and like a two sentence description, and that's what they're buying like and trading <laughs> in. Uh, but but it was like it's that same thing today, where like you were just saying that someone's already got the you know the the clickbaity image they've got the lizard behind them on one side yeah. and queen elizabeth on the other and they've got the title and it all sounds great and they've got a, a nice snarky little rhyme you know or like a palindrome or just some fun little rhetorical device to make it enticing and mm -hmm. then it's like well my research doesn't really fit this flashy graphic and these crazy claims that i want to put in the description so i'm just going to lean into that because that's going to get the clicks and not getting this nuanced thing that's like we're well, actually we're gonna have to dig up and look at some etymology and look at some genealogy and then right like that's that's not fun you know what i mean it's, it's not it's fun it's boring, boring right it's, yeah it's the stuff we're supposed to be flushing down the toilet right all this academic to, to me it is fun and it is and it's me not too. boring at all like i, <laughs> I, I eat that stuff up man but yeah for the general crowd that's clicking on that you know link because they read that title and they saw those flashy colors it's right. also not easy to do though no, it's you know not. I mean? It takes a it, lot of time. It takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of like attention. And people don't have a lot of that. People don't have time or attention. Yeah. They have yeah. they have to go jerk off to fucking Pornhub. <laughs> well, they have something to do jobs. on television. I mean, I have yeah, I have trouble true. with it. I have a, I work a lot of hours and then I want to read a book or research this or read this PDF or watch this documentary or it's a lot of deep work and it takes a long time and i, I think have to like... assume that everyone on this call right now probably has more pdf pages downloaded than we <laughs> have years of life left to read them in you know That's what i mean probably true, probably true. Yeah. yeah folders <laughs> yeah man <laughs> i'll get to it one day you know what i mean yeah i mean the thing is i think the good thing is that no matter what pretty much all of us a hundred percent of us who are questioning anything kind of at least agree 
to some extent that we are more powerful than we are given credit for, that we are ever told. And we are more than we were ever told. And we may be able to take something back in that regard. I feel like that could be kind of a, you know, a unifying line right there. Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Unless that sounds too hippie, then I lose half. uh, (laughs) (laughs) We didn't make the pyramids. The aliens did it. Ah, Oh, Nate, now you're now you're now you're throwing shit out there. Now you're planting flags. Yeah, honestly, uh, that's one flag that I that I'm not a in fan of because I actually want to give more credit to humanity. I think yes. humans figured out pyramids and humans figured out um, the transistor and humans are figuring out how to make our microchips smaller and faster and more efficient. Mm. I don't think that it comes from alien technology. Uh, I know that's a very hard line to take, but I, I also feel that with the abundance of technology that we do have, someone's got to have leaked something at some point in some capacity beyond, you know, books. And it, it's, it's just so weird that as soon as everyone had a camera in their pocket, like the sightings didn't scale with the amount of people that now had a video camera on them at all times, you know, right. ghost sightings, alien sightings, just weird technological sightings the the u.s air force sort of videos of those little ufos that's that's where you can get me some wiggle room right like i'm i'm absolutely open-minded when you've got those videos and the pilots talking about these things that are moving in ways that no conventional aircraft can move but Mm -hmm. beyond those little dots that jump around and spin around and the lines of lights that people see um i i want to give humanity credit first and then hope you know maybe i'll get proven wrong later that aliens have been you know, backdooring us sort of technology at some point, but I don't see what they would get in a benefit from that. Well, it's, it's, um, it, you know, it's that obfuscation of our, of ourselves as they, the it's history's always written that way. It seems they always want to, you know, take away our power, our, you know, take away our responsibility from everything. Right. I mean, that's kind of the society that's becoming more overt, more uh, explicitly known to everybody is that it's like this, admittance of laziness that we should all be lazy on thrones basically and and not have any responsibility give the now we're going to give them the machines the responsibility or something right but like it's always this nullification of like personal growth personal responsibility it's just a constant theme throughout this whole damn thing well that seems like the state in general it's always trying to it's always trying to be the parent so it wants to take any like it, it alleviates like your guilt and your responsibility. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. And mm-hmm. it's just growing in this behemoth way. Yeah, and man. then when they fuck you, you try to act like you like like you have some authority. They're like, dude, you gave that shit up a hundred <laughs> yeah. years ago. You guys work for me. Yeah, yeah, okay, bud. <laughs> and this is the same with the ego. The ego does that too to the rest of our self, I guess you could say, you know, the ego acts as the state pretty much. I like to see that micro to macro connection. And that's part of this whole story too. That's, I think that's part of the, the secret that they're hiding. I think that the self similarity of all things, this mirror imagery of the physical reality that we live in is um, such a tool to be utilized and was utilized, I think in ancient times. And that's part of why they want to obscure anything to do with the power of consciousness into gods and aliens and and whatever else they can do uh you know gin uh let's come up with some more you know anything to make it something other than you can access 
within you, you know? You're, you're going to get me hot and bothered here, man, because this is Ooh. this is in Ooh. an area that I'm I feel really, really strongly about. Not in like like I I've got strong sort of beliefs, but that I find it of just endless interest. And I never I never cease to find new information and, you know, things that are making me change my mind constantly. But I'm I'm starting it on this path. Maybe Nate, you can reel me back in. But that <laughs> when the uh, Rome basically took out Carthage and took out the Phoenicians mm -hmm. with that, they absolutely uh, obliterated the concept of sympathetic magic as being accessible to just any person. Cause at that point, sympathetic magic was as normal in daily life as anything else. It was like walking your dog. You were also doing sympathetic magic just all the time. Cause yep. there was a universal understanding of this, you know, like as like, and this, you know, as above, so below, or the hermetic philosophy or whatever label you want to put on it. Right. Exactly what we're talking about here. And then when Rome decides to take all this out, or if you want to say like, you know, Jerusalem def defeats the Canaanites or any of these battles that essentially drive magic away are always seen as like the good, right, just battle but all it's doing is taking away people's individual connection with whatever this mystical woo-woo thing is. If it exists, mm. it's probably in some kind of relation to sympathetic magic. If I'm praying to the God in the sky for something to happen, it's still that same sympathetic magical connection under fancier terms. But yeah, I feel man. like that movement this. alone, that Romans taking that over and then being like, now here's the new official. That was what it was mostly about. Absolutely. Like, I love the box saga. I love where, where that goes. And, and, you know, without even mentioning Phoenicians, they're totally talking about the same legacy. You know, it's all these, these tribes in, in Northern Europe. The, the, yeah, it's like the Mino, the, the Canaanites, the Minoans, the yep. Phoenicians, they oh, just yeah. kind of like got pushed around. The Red Empire, man. The yeah, ancient dude. Red Empire of the Phoenicians, like the Phoenicians, Phoenician, I can't remember where actually the root word is a Greek word that means the red. And which is interesting because my last name, Rouse, technically comes from uh, a word that the French in Normandy were calling the Vikings when the Vikings came in and took over. Um, yeah, the, the word red. Phoenix is the same. It has yes. that same link. And the red exactly. is a is a reference to this rare pigment that they would milk out of these uh, these sea snails, essentially. Mm. And they only the Phoenicians knew how to do this. It was a very long, laborious process. <laughs> and and dude, it's funny because they actually, in their laws, we've got some records of, of the ancients that did this, um, this particular practice. It was written in the law that their spouses could divorce them at any time because apparently if you were in this industry, you just smelt like decaying dead... <laughs> fish 24 7 because it was just like seeped into your skin the way yeah. they would process it uh so like it, it was a it was a very arcane and specific process but it's the root it was that that red slash purple slash dark blue pigment that mm -hmm. got the name uh of you know that turned into red of the phoenix and the phoenicians it's all a link to this pigment from this snail and i connect it to the picks in scotland as well because the terminology is is basically the same and what the reason why they were calling picks picks was because they painted their bodies with this pigment and we can see that evident in even freaking braveheart for christ's sake but like it's all over celtic lore and everything hey look it's Nate's hey! face. It's <laughs> sexy self <laughs> but um but yeah, it's interesting. I've I've talked to a couple different people to to trace to chase this around, and you know I'm Irish and I love learning about the Irish mythology and folklore and and learning about the Tuatha De Danann, this 
angelic light being race that showed up on the shores of Ireland long ago and, you know, on chariots of fire and, you know, learning about them and learning about where they came from. Probably the Norwegians. What's that? Probably the Norwegians. Sounds like it. Right. Because it's because the thing is, is in reality, we have a very common uh, behavior back then in that area, which was to burn your ships upon arrival of the battle. Because there were no cowards. You don't turn back. There is no going. This is your, you build a new base here. Not the know? Phoenicians. The Phoenicians were experts at like, whoop, let's go let's turn around and get out of here. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> yeah. So maybe at that, I mean, this is so much further down the line too, because if you go the opposite way, you go from like earliest to latest, you're looking at those Phoenician lines and everything, uh, Scythia. But the two converge, which is great because you got the Tua de Danan which is the people or tribe or children of Danu, which when you read Irish folklore, Danu is like really nowhere to be found, which is really curious. She's there, there's stories, but it's not like any of the other folklore, which goes deep into the original stories from Ireland with the Tuatha de Danann and all these other fear bold tribes. Um, Danu is a Scythian princess basically an armenian princess and so we can trace this tuade danan to the tuade de anu in scythia same symbolism same description Did you just cast a spell on us dude i think i might have <laughs> so it's uh so the twatha is how you say it like pronounce it like t-u-a-t-h-a twatha turns into t-u-a-d-h-e with a little hyphen tuade anu which is interesting because it goes from Anu to Danu. And then you go back further. It's clearly the same people that were represented as Anu Naki in the Persian Gulf. These are the same God Kings. And it's all the same serpent symbolism from St. Patrick all the way back to Enki and Enlil. It's all still the same line of symbolism and kind of the same archetypal stories over and over again as well. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, man, it is pretty cool. Uh, you do steal some of the magic away, but it, I think it's important. <laughs> I think it's good because I don't think it's steal magic, magic at all, though, man. I f- I feel like it's the opposite for me at least, because because now you're uncovering like the actual original nugget from something, and you and the more you can pinpoint it, the more real it feels, as opposed to just hoping that there's just like this. Now, where's this my presence. Well, that's yeah. okay. So that's the thing, though. So here's the reason why I so. I have a theory and I'm still just, it's a hypothesis. I'm just putting it together. I'm digging into the 1800s. Like many other people in this community are from different angles. The 1800s are so bizarre with all the different threads being uncovered. One of them that I'm uncovering is the fact that this is kind of when folklore from, you know, Europe and Ireland and Scandinavia, all these places goes from being considered by primary source anthropologist back in the day being the literal oral traditions and histories of these peoples and these places to fictional fantastical stories uh in the 1800s there was a man named george mcdonald he he was like a predecessor of c.s lewis he wrote a book called fantasties or fan tastes i go with fantasties it sounds better and P-H-A-N-T-A-S-T-E-S, um, whatever that You're gonna is. You're going to make a line of like conspiracy pasties called fan pasties. Fan pasties. <laughs> I like it. 
or edibles uh. and uh so this was both. the first modern use of the term portal or porthole being used in like a magical oh, no. way <laughs> like the way to take someone and transport them to a magical place it was always used as a term to describe a doorway and we have to remember that originally it was a porthole this word comes from the sea she was right once again Thomas, she was right <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry dude i'm gonna lose um, it yeah so where was i um I lost yeah, the, portals, the portholes. portals. So this is when a lot of these elves, these words, these fairies, all this, all this stuff becomes this, this source of fiction about fae and everything. But we're really talking about these fair folk, these fair skinned, blue eyed, red and white haired, tall. I people. feel like such a jerk because we were we had a call uh, a, a podcast like what two or three weeks ago. And we were talking either. to someone that was talking about portholes and fairies that would come through the portholes. Mm. Um, but, but do like, I thought it sounded so out of left field at the time, but it's interesting to hear, you know, all of the actual <laughs> information that lines up to exactly with what yeah. we already heard. And you can look at it completely fantastically or totally down to earth as a human story. And to me, that's not a coincidence. And that might be where the nefariousness comes in. Because to me, we are all born with the ability to have these transcendental experiences. And, you know, whether there's entities out there or not, whether it's all just God multiplied into this field, whatever, one consciousness, it really doesn't matter when it comes down to it, because whichever perspective you're looking at it, you're kind of getting the same messaging, right? Well, it kind of does matter because that difference is basically well, what okay. wars well, it, are fought over, right? It doesn't matter yet, but when it really comes down to it, it's like, hey, guess what? We're all one, and you know, this is <laughs> this is kind of a messed up illusion. But before we get there, it's like, what am I supposed to do with all these missiles, bro? What do you mean we're all one? <laughs> you know, what <laughs> right? I mean? Exactly. You know how much this shit costs? It's gonna here? fuck up the economy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the first thing, right? We're all one. This is gonna destroy me. <laughs> That's a Bill Hicks slash Alex Jones quote or whatever. <laughs> well, dude, but, um, I saw that shit happen for real. It was uh, Rand Paul talking to like Wolf Blitzer or whatever. And yeah. so he was like, hey, maybe we need to stop bombing these people. And maybe we need to stop making all these bombs. And Wolf Blitzer was like, that's half our economy. You're going to put all these people out of jobs? Right, that was like right. his response. And it's like, that, you're never, you're never going to win on that. Yeah. You're never going to win on that. So we have this experience that we're all entitled to just being human beings uh, to get in contact with that other side. And I think it's, it's fair to say that the powers that shouldn't be may have gotten two birds stoned at once. They turned us into orphans and stole our history. And they also fictionalized it. They didn't erase it. They didn't burn it. So it doesn't exist. They just fictionalized all of it. So those that do go down that path are not going to be taken seriously. And the ones that don't go down that path won't even look there for human history by any means. Most of the, most of the answers I get on uh, history or ask a historian threads, serious questions on my end get absolute ad hominem attacks from supposed legit academics because they don't want to go anywhere near this shit because they've been taught it's all fairy tales it's all mythological bullshit from old cultures and that it's it's just such a rabbit hole when you start to unlock this shit so i don't think our experiences are are illegitimate and i think a lot of people will 
I see it on UFO Twitter all the time, right? Everybody thinks that any skeptics just are against the entire situation of the phenomenon. It's like, well, no, no, no. I just don't want the government telling me what it is because they're most likely fucking with all of us. Most definitely, you know, and they all have Stockholm syndrome and I'm trying to break it. It's impossible. I just get blocked. And, and I've got a, I've got a feather to put on that cap too, which not everyone agrees with this particular viewpoint, but I think that another recurring theme of all these ancient mystery schools and, and many religions and cultures is that this this concept of like the forgotten name of god that at some point people knew what the name of god was but then it just gets lost over time so even though we talk about they right like they want to keep us away from all these powers well like they also forgot the name of god like they don't have the technology what they have are the resources and the time mm. and you know they've got the the sort of the ability to go out and try to find the real information out there and send you know send their troops out into the rainforest and, and uncover like ancient mysteries and secrets, but they don't really necessarily have the secret either. So it's not like they're playing puppet as much as trying to, you know, like the MK ultra program is, is an example of this where MK ultra was just the CIA financing things that they wanted to get the inside scoop on. If you were doing some weird program that might mess with someone's brain, it's not like the CIA was like, here's the formula to mind control someone. It was like, yeah oh, you're doing some really crazy shit, like probably illegal, immoral, horrible shit to people. Here's a check for 30 grand. Keep doing it, you know, buy more supplies and then just send us all the reports back. And I feel like that's kind of, if we want to just keep saying they, you know, the elites or whoever the powers that be, that's essentially what they're doing is they've just got this huge checkbook and they're just like, and here's a check for you and you and you. Oh, and yeah. just make sure that you let me know first before you tell anyone else what your big discoveries are. And it's kind of the same way that the Bavarian Illuminati would work. So now you've got these central intelligence powerhouses. They get the first scoop on anything that comes out from any different, you know, discipline out there. And it makes it feel like they're omniscient or omnipotent uh, because they've got the first inside scoop and it's like, oh, they're talking to the aliens. They've got this. No, they just happen to be funding the four different people that were all researching that same thing. It's almost like the Rothschilds backing everyone that's, you know, uh, going to war so that they always come out ahead because, you know, they're like homies with the people that they lent the money to. It's sort of that same concept. And it just has been going on for thousands of years. What do you guys think of the concept that it's like kind of a mental human disease that, or not even a disease just kind of like a natural kind of state that we are that some of us would be in to occupy the positions of you know the parasites that are in power like could this all just be you know narcissism uh through nepotism and abuse and all of that kind of thing could it be trauma because that's the angle i've been kind of curious about lately and i'm curious what you guys might think of that well, yeah, man, I, it's, it's fascinating because I go back and forth because I'm, I'm a libertarian anarchist and I'm a conspiracy theorist. And so <laughs> the conspiracy theorist tells me the government is omnipotent. They're doing all this evil, crazy shit. The libertarian anarchist said the government's retarded. So it, right. it, there is and it's a mix of both. And I think there are some smart folks that are doing some shit, but I think the majority of government's retarded. Uh, but <laughs> as far as like what government is and like you said, is it a trauma that causes these people to to do this? And it is it a trauma that allows us to let them have to let them do it? Like because yeah. we are 
giving them our power away by allowing them to rule over us. And that is, I think some, and that is trauma. And I think that that is something that they instill in us like purposefully, as far as like Rockefeller medicine, as far as like schooling goes, school, like the whole Prussian model, things like that, Mm -hmm. like just brainwashing us and keeping us sheep, basically just teaching us just enough. Um, Yeah, I absolutely think that uh, that is trauma, dude. I think that that we're traumatized from birth, basically. I mean, I think circumcision is trauma. I think jabbing us with a fucking needle is trauma. I think a whole all this shit is trauma, trauma based mind control. It's almost like physical existence is trauma because not a lot of it slapped on the ass and not everybody gets circumcised. (laughs) Right. But every one of us has this. That's it's like coming into this body is uncomfortable or something, maybe. That's my exact thought. I mean, to a T, though, and and not even to a hyperbole, but we are structured and programmed by trauma. Like, even if you don't get slapped on the way out, what you do get is ripped away from this warm ambiotic fluid. And now you're out in that and like the cold air hitting you for the very first time ever, you don't even know what cold is. So it's probably the, the, the coldest you've ever felt in your entire life is probably the moment that you're born when that air hits you Yeah, uh, because you had no other frame of reference. And from that point on, all your trauma is just giving you that spectrum of like how, how much pain is this? And then it like that thing keeps edging all the way out until you don't even know what the limit is anymore. You know what I mean? But when it yes. starts out, that's that is you being programmed here's the world here's reality here's what the third dimension is all about little dude you know and and that's that's that very first one and if you want to get into monarch again that's why in a lot of the theories on monarch programming is that even before that happens that's your first natural programming related trauma but mm. if they use that that amniocentric needle to like kind of jab you while you're still inside the womb now someone has artificially taken over that first traumatic experience and now i've controlled when your programming starts and i can kind of like get my you know my bootstrap program in there so to speak so now when you get born you've already felt some kind of external presence i've already introduced you to this third dimensional exterior reality before nature got to do it um i mean this is dude this is a rabbit hole in itself dude yeah well you're blowing my mind it's connecting a lot of dots for me because it really is like we describe the elites like the stranger with the candy and the van base like they're these evil fucks and it's almost as if that's physical reality itself well, like, I'm, not to, I'm not it's trying to i'm not trying to demonize dude. either i'm not trying to kind of give justice to oh yeah that's because it's ruled over by satan like However, that philosophy will fall in line with this fractal view of it. It'll, you know, you could just, that's a different perspective, different language to use, but it is kind of saying the same thing. You know, it's like, this is an attractive, bad idea almost or something. It's weird. There's goodness here, obviously, but something about this situation, we do seem to have put ourselves in. uh, We're getting really weird here, but there's no such thing as time. Linearity is a fucking lie, which means I mean, how do we put our memories together here to decide who we are? It's, it's how fast we're time. decaying. Time is how fast do we decay, right? <laughs> and, and it's our, it's so, our half. It's our half life. So help me work this out because this has been blowing my mind, and I don't have any. I don't know if I'm off or on or what, but like literally, our memories from moment to moment throughout our whole life have been put together in a linear way, which is not real, right? Well, no, you because you access them in a linear way, but I don't I don't do. think that they're they're not necessarily stored in linear ways because your olfactory senses, for example, like like a smell 
I think the olfactory for, I think even for men in particular, but olfactory to humans, it actually can evoke memories deeper than visual and a lot of oh, other yeah. like kinetic memories. So, but that's an example of like these little, you just make up random things that don't exist, right? But like little smell particles that like get lodged in your neurons somewhere. So when like you get another smell, it might remind you of a, a thing the that you were related to. first time I got to. my dick sucked. There you go. This dude. girl had this particular perfume. <laughs> exactly. okay. And anytime it hits me, I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> See, so you can use that though. See, if you know, if you understand a little bit about like neurolinguistic programming and just other, like that's a fancy marketing term for some basic fundamental building blocks of knowing how to control and program your own brain. But once you feel yourself getting back into that like old memory that you haven't thought of in a while, you try to stay there and jump to other memories. Like yes. what else happened around this time unrelated to the smell I that I haven't thought that. of. But if you can do that, <laughs> It's proof that it's not necessarily linear. It's more of like yeah. this big, you know, branching tree where you can jump from limb to limb. You might not be able to get from the trunk all the way to the top, but you can definitely jump around like a little monkey essentially and and get the things quicker. And and not to always inject this in every conversation, but like psychedelics is kind of like the shortcut there where it's like, yes. hey, I've got these two neurons that haven't ever talked to each other before. Why don't you guys mingle? Why don't you guys, you know, see if you got anything in common? And all of a sudden it's like, I can smell the color blue, but also right. I just remembered this thing that happened to me when I was seven that I've never thought of until now. Well, yeah. And what, what happened? I mean, this is going a little off what I was saying, but like just to just off of what you're saying, man, the, the psychedelic trips really brought things into full focus where it was like, I remembered so much of my past that it was like, Oh, so now everything makes sense. And none of my problems are, are, are irregular or random. Everything is in line. Because it was like I filled in all the blanks almost. It was wild. But I guess, so back to what I was trying to say was like, we have, we put ourselves together at least in a way that's linear. Like from first grade through high school, through through our lives, we're living in a linear way. And we think of ourselves and our growth as a linear thing. But when we look at the science that says that like, that's not even a thing, time is more of an illusion. Um it kind of throws into question like, well, who am I? Right. It starts to make you wonder like all these preconceived notions that, you know, this led to this led to this. If none of that is actually how anything is pieced together, then we really don't have a clear access point to know who or what we really are. Fucking mud flood, bro. Mud flood. <laughs> Aliens. <laughs> Aliens. <laughs> fucking aliens we were just monkeys dude and we got diddled by some aliens and <laughs> i mean outer space right that could mean many things maybe like we were talking about being born now we're in outer space yeah just a different perspective. fascinating man i mean we've been talking to a lot of flat earthers lately and the whole idea of outer space being like the out outside of the the ice wall I, I dig it too i mean there's something true in there i, I feel like all it's these more big realistic have... to me than aliens that, <laughs> that's much more likely to me than yeah. aliens i i, I kind of like have these... a go ahead man i was just gonna say i think all these big themes kind of have elements of truth in there that you know we just may not be seeing from all the angles that are needed yet yet go ahead toms oh i was just gonna say that to, to me, not to just like lean on Hollywood, just like I, I accuse, you know, elites of doing like they're not creative enough. 
but I do kind of fall into the Star Trek philosophy of like we haven't hit that that level of advancement yet to where the Federation's like, all right, like we'll invite those guys to the party. They might not shit in the punch bowl this time, or they might not accidentally like light something on fire because they're. But we haven't Are hit they that level for us to put a hologram of Jesus in the sky, and then we get to maybe. Be part dude, of... I mean, honestly, maybe Blue Beam is like that's us proving ourselves to the Federation, so we get that that little VIP invite envelope. Or they'll just be like, hey, wait a minute, they're they're acting like they're us. We got to get down there and represent ourselves. <laughs> you know, they still have egos because they're flying around in space. That's the, that's the other weird angle, because like we always can we always kind of mix together this idea of travelers coming here, observing, helping all these all these very. Uh, I don't know, the, these desires they seem to have, whether it's for knowledge or wisdom or to carry on their species, they have these egoic desires but then we mix it all in with their spiritual beings from an in, from another dimension because of all these ancient texts. And it's like, well, wait a minute. These ancient texts are pointing to like these sacred principles, you know, no ego. Like they're talking beyond that, that human duality. Yeah, of, we're, we're talking like a, like a platonic solid. Like you've just discovered some ideal abstract concept that cannot exist in our physical world. Like, like a platonic ideal, right? Like the perfect uh, sphere or the perfect triangle. You'll never find an actual perfect triangle in nature ever. Like it, it doesn't right. exist in our material reality, but it can exist in simulations and it can exist in your mind. And on a piece of paper with mathematics, a perfect triangle exists. And what we don't have are perfect triangles, but every triangle we do have is an imperfect version of that sort of you know, like abstract concept that doesn't really exist, which is a mind blowing thing, which everyone understands now, you know, oh, of course, you know, like a children's uh, building block made out of wood. Of course, it's like chamfered on the sides. It's got little nicks and cuts in it. And it, it can't ever be a perfect um, square, but we all know what a cube is, right? What a right. perfect cube would be, but it doesn't actually exist. That's not None a real thing. Perfection right? is, yeah. It's so not if there. you can just like extrapolate that and be like, well, even the perfect square doesn't actually exist. That itself is just this weird three-dimensional representation of a bigger pattern, like some cymatic ripple, right? Like we're just talking about a little vibration that like bumps up against you and you're like, oh, what was that? I guess that's that's a square. No, it was like a, a reverb or some ripple of like a much bigger universal truth. And I like what you're saying here where people like to say, oh, that's an entity. And I think of like the dudes that wake up in the middle of the night and they're like, oh, this is what a double strand helix looks like. And it's not mm -hmm. like someone told them that. They just automatically discovered it because they've been putting so much focus into it that it's like the, the dots connected at some point. And now you're just rediscovering a, a universal truth that's always been there. So you're not inventing it. You're not getting a message from aliens or from you know some other realm. It's like you've just put together these obvious things and and the proof of this is that once you find one of those universal truths you can describe it to someone in such simple terms that it just makes sense and it feels like it's always been common sense even yes. though one generation back would be like you're talking magic right now i've got no idea what you're talking about oh yeah it's like when i took psychedelics for the first time with a really first mind-blowing experience every five seconds i was discovering something that had been right under my nose the whole right. time <laughs> and even like the images of like really popular psychedelic art with all the it's very fractal and everything all of that it wasn't like another universe i got jettisoned away to it was that 
it had been here the whole damn time. It was just that I was seeing more of, I was seeing from more perspectives, you know? And imagine that there's some piece, I'll let you get in, Nate. I'm sorry. Yeah, imagine, sorry that there's, <laughs> imagine that there's some people that just naturally are in that state. They don't have to take psychedelics. They don't have to have some big epiphany that they're mm. just caught, like they're Nikola Teslas or whatever, you know, insert your favorite sort of like folk hero here. But imagine you're just always in that mode at that point. It's not the genius of like figuring these universal truths out for whatever reason, you're Neo in the matrix and you see it. Now the skill is like, are like the language accessible to me does not have the words in order for me to put these things together to give you that information. So now I, I kind of personally feel that the building up again, we're going to talk about the Phoenicians, right? The phonetic language and all of our mm. alphabet is based on, you know, Phoenicians. But the real skill there was not discovering these universal truths, but being able to record and communicate them in succinct ways that things don't get lost. And that's kind of what we've been trying to do since forever is just develop a language that is clear and concise enough to communicate these crazy ideas like platonic ideals and, you know, perfect triangles and stuff. Yeah, like the perennial philosophy and stuff that's just, right. yeah, it's beyond the veil. Yeah, all I was going to say is like uh, the whole idea of people like channeling this information, like like even someone like Nikola Tesla, he claims to have been like getting it from a different source, right? Like even he says that like an alien was talking to him. Yeah, and he went to it. India and like to, yeah. to rediscover himself and came back with all kinds of woo ideas. So I, mm. yeah. yeah, but I mean, there is that whole idea that maybe I mean, I, I, I don't know where it comes from, right? Like because you could say that it all comes from internal. And I think that that is probably true. But it's also like, like to get back to psychedelics, like what are you touching when you're doing those psychedelics? Are you experiencing like some sort of collective unconscious? Like, do we all share something? And so like some people are closer to that, like Nikola Tesla, like maybe he actually thinks he's beaming down like information from aliens, but he's actually just like picking this up from the ether. Like, mm. um, I, I don't know, man, it's it just it's a fascinating idea. And, and I think that a lot of it, most of it is internal. But uh, I'll tell you, dude, when I was talking to those fucking ghosts, <laughs> I wasn't making it do it. The fucking spirit box was freaking me out. Totally. Uh, but maybe was I? I don't know. But well, like, I, not I think. But this place like, is playful, right? This place. Yeah. Is, I mean, it's not just you and inter. So here's let me blow your mind. There is no internal and external. That's another duality. And once again, we, so if you start with panentheism, where God is everything, there is no such thing as outside of it. Then. It's hard. I mean, I, it could be a cop out maybe, but it's also really hard to explain things away outside of that. It's it's a beautiful concept where if everything is fractally the same thing, you know, we're talking about the ripples in the pond. I remember like some sort of deep memory of that original image or shape or feeling or whatever it was that we're all just emanating off of. And yeah, I don't know where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get you. Like, it, it, there's no internal or external. So, like, you getting these ideas from the ether is you getting them from yourself. Because sure, we are and all... vice versa. Like, yeah. multiplicity. Yeah, yeah. Like, we can take big numbers and make them down to their smallest number. Like, reduce them down, right? But that doesn't mean that bigger number doesn't exist. I think that's part of the hoodwink that's going on with the the AI and the, the transhumanist takeover and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's taking these real ideas about spirituality, but 
the simulation hypothesis has made our bodies useless and this world useless. And I think that's why we need alchemy. I need, we need alchemy to be more popular than it is and people to really understand what alchemy is and understand why it existed in the first place, because it's almost like this place is a mathematical equation. Like this is the result of the equation almost. And we're all here. Oh my God. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> well, and I think also that a lot of people, they give so much credit to their senses and their, their sights yeah. and their smells and their sounds, but all, all we are are horribly inefficient filters of the actual nonstop stream of information that's just being beamed at us all the time. If you imagine how many frequencies we don't see, like we only see a tiny sliver of the actual, you know, visible light spectrum because of our eyes. And if just imagine if you were able to like, you know, get some transhumanist Elon Musk implant that now it expands and you can see 10 times the amount of color, that kind of world shift, like literal, you know, worldview shifting would probably make you realize that what there's probably a 10 X factor in smells and sights and sounds and feels and everything that just can keep extrapolating, you know, and getting exponentially bigger more and more. But humans have like a fixed, you know, frame rate. It's almost like we've all been given these old ass televisions for eyes that were made, you know, thousands of years ago, and we're not allowed to get upgrades until transhumanism comes along. And man, that's going to be such an enticing um, feel for people where it's like, do you want to run at 240 for, uh, you know, Hertz, or do you want right. to be running at this like lower, you know, 60 Hertz or it's, it's going to get into this realm. But, but I think that there's some valuable perspective there because it goes back to that same thing of like, don't believe everything you see, because what we see is this, this tiny little sliver of sight versus all the other information that's out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, this is our oldest battle. This is our big family feud where it's natural versus, I guess you could call it like new, you know, uh, you know, what's here and what can we create? And it seems like we could look into history and demonize both ideologies depending on who's wielding it and which ego is running the show. You know, if you want to stick to the natural way, you run into things like the box saga and there's not a person on this planet. I don't think in the modern world that really wants to go back to an extreme pagan world. People love this archaic revival and all the hippies love it and everything. But if we really <laughs> want to go back there, you're giving I up want everything. But, like, it, but I also want right. air conditioning. Exactly. And I want refrigerators. So there's the uh, Hegelian dialectic, right? Yeah. We have this, we have really good, good, amazing ideas. And why not extend life as long as possible, right? If under the right circumstances, as long as death is still a part of it, because that's nature, that's natural. Or Dude, is, I get it? A buddy is it? Is that just what we need right now in this paradigm? We have to keep dying until we figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I have a buddy at work that uh, he's all in with the transhumanism stuff, like all in, all in. Once it, once and and we just have these like, he's a bright dude. And we have these like philosophical conversations and he's just like, no, like, because when I have all all my upgrades and like when we all have all yeah. had all upper upgrades, we're going to be two different species and then we're going to be competing over space. And he goes, and that's when we'll exterminate you. <laughs> See, I, I don't have any moral, um, re like, you know, sort of qualms with this transhumanist thing. Like, I, I really, I think the, the downside is that people are, are going to give so much trust into technology that we're going to, 
like for you know we're gonna forget the name of god we're gonna forget our password to log into your own brain at some point and that's what the real enemy is and that's the moral downfall it's not it's not that someone might plug a little thing in their brain that lets them access the internet and just talk directly to them um that's a little bit scary and there's probably horrible things that'll come along with that but it's also sure. just like dumb human technology. Someone's going to look right. You're going to be telling your grandkids back in my day. I had a, you know, two gigahertz chip in my head. Like, yeah. Okay. Grandma, let's get you to bed. With my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't like the idea that uh, divine, <laughs> divine uh, torture or punishment can be created by like technology. I don't know. You know, it, it's, I'm with you to a certain extent. I think it's just yet another tool. It's like, us yelling about the transhumanism that's coming inevitably is kind of like uh, people yelling about guns. Kind of, I guess. I said it. I said it out loud. Yeah. Because when I'm, you think I about have, it, again, it's in how Kaczynski, we use man. it. It's yeah. How we're gonna <laughs> u- Sorry, what, what, man? I said I'm half Ted Kaczynski. Uh, yeah, he's <laughs> Luddite on a podcast right now with a brand new right. Roadcaster Pro, you fucking hypocrite. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just saying, like, you know, it's just a tool, right? All of it's a tool, and it's in how we handle it. And that's, again, like you said, that's the enemy. The enemy is all the programming that makes us want to give well, all of our power away to it. Let me let me be a little bit of a pessimist here instead of an optimist, because because sure. I'm already terrified. So I'll give two... <laughs> Two anecdotal examples, but I mean, just imagine you could multiply these by 10,000 and find a bunch of other ones. One is watching kids pick up a physical book and trying to swipe the pages away, like thinking it's going to like swipe to the next page, not realizing what like a physical, you know, book might be. And the other one, and this is the one that scares me the most, is people that are like, look what I asked AI to do. Look, I asked AI for this. And I am, dude, I, oh. I'm going to bring this one to the grave for me. I am a strong, a, you know, a staunch supporter of this idea that if you go to your toolbox and you're trying to build something, right, you don't pick your hammer up and say, hey, could you please hit this nail in? Or what do you think is the right angle to hit this nail into the wall? You just grab the hammer and you fucking hit the nail, right? But it, it's it really is scaring me where people are like, I asked AI to tell me how to do this thing, or I asked it for information, just the same way that like you don't ask your hammer for permission, you don't ask your hammer for expertise. Right. So this is a tool. This may be why you should be a little bit worried about it because honestly, that's gonna overrun the the old way, the old way of experience and all this. I mean, couldn't it overrun it? Maybe. Although I would for the three of us and anyone listening to get an upper hand here. I really do think this is a, this is important for just humanity in general, but even just you at a, at an individual psychological level. Mm-hmm. Get into the habit if you do use AI. I'm not a luddite. I use AI all the time, but get into the habit of developing a relationship where you're telling it what you want and what you want to do. Don't don't think of it as like you know, are you hungry? What do you want tonight? No, be like it sounds like you know, patriarchy. I want I want steak and I want it cooked at exactly 129 degrees in a sous vide <laughs> for two hours. Like you have to give it the exact things that you want. And in that way, AI will be a useful tool that does what you want. Have it you to ever do. had a girlfriend that wanted you to talk that way to him? Because I had one that like <laughs> wanted me to direct their life. I'm like, I barely I, I'm barely fucking hanging on with myself. I can't fucking be telling you to do how to do everything. Like, well, that's but that's what it is, dude. Like you want to you do want to be the dominant you know one in the relationship yeah. between you and ai we we don't want to get into the point where we're asking ai what we want for dinner because 
and that's where we're headed. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't have no qualms that that's well, not where we're headed. Back but... to the trauma and brainwashing, we're used to that. And so, yeah. yes, ask like, AI is going to fill in that role for government. And maybe at some time, uh, government's going to be like, oh, fuck, because AI is going to take their spot. They're gonna oh yeah! That. Oh They're no! Yeah, yeah, dude, it's happening so fast because like the the Turing test, right? The Turing test is, can you um can a computer convince you that it's human? I think right. we have blown beyond that. You know, ten maybe twenty years ago, yeah, we're because... especially who's having the conversation. Yeah, exactly. To who? Well, <laughs> apparently, if it, if the the to who is to just like an average person in any country, you know, not any specific region, we've blown past the Turing test, and there's also something called i believe the wizard of oz experiment which is the inverse of the turing test which is can i have you use a computer system that's ultimately being controlled by a person on the other end like you actually have called customer support and you're talking to a real human being but because of their cadence that technology has been trained on humans that you're talking to a human but you think you're talking to a computer and therefore you don't trust what it's saying but it really is a human on the other end it's it's the opposite of the turing test and i think we're there already because i myself have found myself like criticizing something that i thought was like digitally generated and someone's like no dude that's every time i read an article i'm like there's no fucking way this is ai (laughs) that's not that's exactly what i'm talking about like the line has already blurred and it are like we've already passed it it's not like we have a chance to say and now it's almost like oh shit like where did the line go bro like, and if you're willing to unhinge, then you run into things like what, uh, what's his name? The archaic X guy, archaics. Have you heard of that? Where like this whole thing, it's not just simulation hypothesis. It's massive. It's all about this specific AI program. That's just repeating this cycle and everything. It's nuts, but man, nuts I don't know. Good or nuts bad. Uh, both. Okay. <laughs> Probably more bad than anything else, but like just, I don't, I don't know. I, I worry that like there's a theme that's gone around for a long time about like the Satanists or the Luciferians or whatever you want to call the parasites. Their ultimate goal is to stop existence. Have you heard that? Yeah, I take it no. that you guys have not. I've, I've <laughs> heard in the, in, it. Yeah, I've heard some versions of that from like the Kybelion and and other like if Mm. you get way back into the woo woo, there's there's like very orthodox religions that basically believe that we need to just purify ourselves until we're back at just like absolute equilibrium stasis. And the best way to do that is to through those means. What if we're what if they're like trying to get back to the one, right? That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So that's kind of what it seems like. Like You want to end, you want to end reincarnation for everyone, right? Like no more life, just back to this, this unified state of being. And if I'm wrong too bad, like I'm taking you out with me to find out. So that, yeah, that's the weird part because I often talk about that state of being quote unquote, that would exist there as like kind of what meditators try to find, right? That space in between the hemispheres that is, non-thinking non-everything it's like a break from existence and i wonder if that's it's a theme in a lot of movies and everything you know the angels trying to take down god and everything supposedly trying to stop existence from happening and i just it's kind of creepy because you have a lot of themes in the simulation hypothesis where it's like the singularity right that kind of aligns with that in in some ways 
your thoughts. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to let yeah. Nate get some words in. Absolutely. Oh, dude, I, I'm I'm in that space right there, where there's no thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, also the to, to me the simulation theory has one ultimate flaw and that as soon as you buy into simulation theory now it's turtles all the way down because mm. now it's like that brain in a vat um sort of like solipsism right where if you can't prove to me that you're actually like either of you are real you might just be someone like playing with electrons and just firing at like my brain in a vat somewhere and nothing exists except for me and my brain but now you can be like, well, maybe there's like, that's just a simulation, right? And there's like another bigger brain in a jar or a smaller brain in a jar. <laughs> and it just keeps going down all the way. Yeah. And once you buy into simulation theory, you can't ever get out of that recursive loop that just goes on forever and ever. So even if it is a truth, it, it feels you'd have to be agnostic. You have to give up and say like, I know that I can't comprehend true infinity. Right. And if I live in this infinite recursion you know, of a fractal, then... Might as well just go to work now. You know what I mean? Fuck, man. So you just kind of like said out loud my one of my deepest trips, basically. <laughs> it was like, oh, shit, that I guess I'm just going to have to. So what do you do now? Just live? Ah, oh, okay. God damn it. <laughs> All right. Go pay your mortgage, idiot. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> man, we touched on some deep stuff tonight, gentlemen. I don't know if we got to the bottom of anything, but we definitely stirred the pot on more than one occasion, I think. I think we got to the bottom of it. Pay your mortgage, faggot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do your job. God damn it. <laughs> and I think we can loop it into our ongoing uh, ghost and supernatural theme because we've already kind of discussed how one phenomena might be all phenomena and we're just kind of yeah, experiencing kind of it in hypothesis. different ways. Yeah, yeah and heard, I think it plays into it. I've heard the yin yang described as one fish chasing its own tail, wondering mm. if it's another fish, and never knowing. I like for to sure. think it, it's a member of the box saga endlessly trying to suck their own dick. But, but also, uh, the, the yin yang symbol is very clearly just a very thin two dimensional slice of some other thing right and if and if it's a three-dimensional thing then there's a sphere that that yin yang represents but it might also be a four-dimensional or five-dimensional thing that we can't really fully grasp on that so even though it looks like the little black dot is encompassed in the white if you were to you know extrapolate that into like a three-dimensional object and take some slices uh, a few kind of like you know degrees removed from that you might see that they're all still connected in other different ways yeah Beautifully said, man. It's all fragmented. <laughs> so, any any thoughts on what a ghost is? Do ghosts exist? Are there spirits? Do we leave this meat suit for a while? Do we come back? Are you a reincarnation guy? I kind of find myself in that direction. But if we are, is there a lingo time or limbo time? Like, are we somewhere else for a minute before we come back down? Or are we... I don't know. What are your thoughts on any of those sort of things? So I have a couple of friends that would be able to like draw it out and explain it mathematically and stuff. But I think there is some kind of like limbo time in between or something like that. I do. I really do. But I also have a really twisted view of what reincarnation is. And it's been shaped by my psychedelic trips. And every time I do a psychedelic, I inevitably end up back in this 
same place where I like, I try not to get to this spot, but it always ends up back there. Um, and of course now I went off on a diatribe and I forgot where I was going. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So reincarnation. Yeah. I had this idea, I guess you could say, or memory or whatever it felt like at the time that we're basically living the same thing over and over again. And since time doesn't really exist in the way we perceive it, it's just infinite and it's as fast or as slow as you're in the mood to kind of perceive in that hyper state. And I don't know, it's hard to really describe in words, but it felt like I was always me, but I could, I don't know, man, this is such a difficult topic to get into, but yeah, I do feel like we repeat this same, almost like, timeline over and over again for some reason and i don't think it's out of any desire to learn or for the soul to grow or or uh, learn new lessons each time because if time doesn't exist we've done that already and this is probably our favorite life or something this is probably the best thing that's ever happened to us and i feel like that hit me (laughs) yeah it's like i got ripped off man like well i know we can all feel that way and i'm not (laughs) saying that this is and like i didn't have a perfect childhood or i didn't have a bad what like it was it was whatever but like and i'm not saying that this exists this ideal exists in the physical plane i think we can't even relate to it until we're out of body out of this normal default mode of thinking to even access the, these ideas of like that maybe we can look at even all the suffering of physical existence as this most beautiful memory that we have to hold on to for some reason because that is what it felt like it felt like a fleeting a fleeting moment but that i was always going to be able to come back to it if that makes any sense it felt like uh coming out of the experience was like understanding atheism and understanding believing in god at the same time and living forever at infinity it was as if all the all the things i heard about what might happen after death were just human stories from egos trying to explain this ineffable unspeakable experience and when i got there it yeah it's beyond words but yeah, as you were saying, recursive, Thomas, that, that's kind of the word that comes to mind. And it never felt like a conscious choice. It felt like everything was just happening as it was supposed to. There was no need for choice. And my favorite part of this is the the human element that not everyone always likes to admit, but this is my, my absolute favorite part of humanity is that you'll come out of that experience and you're like, I get it. I know God. I know atheism. Yep. I understand <laughs> sacred geometry. And then, you know... Three days later, you're screaming at someone for going five miles per hour too slow in front of you. So it's like, yeah, man, just like I understand the word of God and we're all one. And then you're like, get the fuck off the road, idiot. You know what I mean? And yeah. and I love that though, man. I love that that sort of extreme. And also, I wanted to say, Nate, don't feel too bad about this being your best life because I got a theory that's this is the oversimplified for the sake of analogy. But imagine there's like different types of people that would go to say like Disney World or Disneyland, right? So some people 
will legitimately get there and go early and wait in line for five hours to ride the one thing that they went to that park to ride, even though they blew their whole wad. You know, they spent all their money and they like have to wait in line. And there's some people that are more, you know, efficient. They're like, well, I want to go on five or six different rides and I'm going to go, you know, maybe I won't go on Space Mountain, but I'll go and hit these other ones that are a little bit more dilapidated. So maybe you just decided to get into the shitty dilapidated Nate ride this time around, but you get to go on like three or four of them. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, when you, when I kind of have been seeing things from that panentheist kind of model where everything is, everything is one and it's all kind of multiplied. There's, there's ideas in psychology or maybe it's, friggin' buddhism for that matter but it's this idea that consciousness kind of has to subject itself in order to understand itself where it it has to multiply in order to fathom itself that doesn't really make any sense but actually it kind of makes sense like mathematically in some way <laughs> that like it's you always, need an observer right in order in order for that function to collapse you have to have something observing it so right. that it can collapse and if it just collapsed on its own what does it matter if there was nothing there to observe it collapsing? So it turns into this weird paradox. It's absolutely a paradox. Yeah. And I think the hitchhiker's guide in one of the books talked about like how God convinced himself he didn't exist and poofed out of existence. Or <laughs> <That's something>. awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, this has been really wild talking to you guys about these deep threads. This is my favorite stuff to contemplate. So especially when we can match it up with so many interesting philosophies that existed either worldwide or in many places, we can find these similar themes that they seem to be onto this. Like even the ancient Buddhists, Buddhism only exists because it, it rebelled against the Hinduism that it came from because Hinduism talks so much about attach uh, detachment from things, but yet they hold dear to this true self quote unquote. And Buddhism was like, no way. Now we're getting rid of that too. And the Hindus were like, wait, no. <laughs> also, it's it's kind of hard memorizing like 900 gods. So we're just going to kind of go with like one dude. It's a little bit easier. Right. <laughs> yeah, just just an archetype. Much easier. <laughs> but um, it, man. Yeah. yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Hell yeah. Uh, we all want to go around and throw some more plugs again? Yeah, go yeah. Ahead, you brother. guys shout out to my audience. Tell them where, you can, where they can find you. All right, Rockfin, check out Anomaly Hunters on YouTube. We're doing some really fun, like, paranormal investigatory stuff. Maybe I'm going to prove that Andy's wrong and that ghosts are here and so are aliens and all kinds of crazy stuff. I don't know. So just roll with me and see what happens because we're also Hell looking yeah. for Bigfoot. So, Thomas, Big fan of Bigfoot. Right? Big fan of Bigfoot. <laughs> and I'm I'm just still getting on my social media legs here. I'm I'm an infant in the social media world. So please follow me on uh man, all of them. Twitter, it's just Paranoid America because the N doesn't fit. So Paranoid America on Twitter and then Paranoid American on YouTube and Instagram and uh and paranoidamerican.com. You can find a bunch of comics and all of the things that I've been putting out for the last 10 years. It's amazing stuff, guys. I love what you're doing. Both of you are killing it and putting out so much great content. And and seriously, Paranoid American is like a staple. Like you need to check it out because no matter what stage of the conspiracy world, alternative questioning things you're in, they got something for you, you know? If, if you if, want something to get you banned, we got that. If you want something for the kids, it's <laughs> it's less offensive. We got 
coloring books with cryptids and Bigfoot and fun That's stuff. Awesome. So it, like <laughs> I'll, I'll meet you on whatever level you want to meet me at. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you want to throw a birthday party for your, your 10 year olds and their friends and not seem like a weirdo, I got you. But if you also want to like get into the deep realms of adrenochrome and torture and sacrifice and black magic, I got you on that too, man. <laughs> Fantastic. And yeah, I'm Andy from the deep share podcast. You can find me at the deep share on social media and you can find me on the uh all the podcast apps and youtube and rockfin and odyssey and yeah come follow me i'm just ranting and yelling at ufo twitter most of the time oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right Cheers. have a nice night everybody peace